You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Sunday, guys and gals. Um, we're going to get you a mid-afternoon one here. Uh, the way the schedule worked this week and the way some news dropped, got some way to, is to get into some stuff here. Probably still get you up something later tonight for your Monday commute. But as always, thanks for everybody coming along on the ride with your local experts on the biggest stories. Pete Smith in the house today after we got to talk with John Costco on Friday night, get the PFF uh, your side of Thursday night's game if you haven't checked that out i highly highly recommend that you do get a roll on in to your daily delivery of all things dog pound support of locked on browns of course comes from manscaped who's number one in men's below the belt grooming you may have seen them on shark tank manscaping offers precision engineered tools for the family jewels get 20 percent off and free shipping with the promo code locked on capital L capital O at manscaped.com. Again, use the promo code locked on capital L capital O to receive 20% off with uh, pro- uh, with purchase and shipping. Um, I, Pete, I guess we'll start. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, this is more of a league note, and obviously, it does kind of hit the Browns as they'll face the Pittsburgh Steelers twice this season. Um, unfortunate for the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, wake up to the news of passing of wide receiver coach Daryl Drake. Uh, seems well respected throughout the league. And, you know, Pittsburgh, this could be a tough blow because you're trying to develop a bunch of young receivers behind Juju Smith-Schuster. It's, you know, it just kind of puts a, you know, obviously at any there's never a right time for this. But when you're in camp and trying to put everything together, this is, you know, it's going to be a tough blow for Pittsburgh. It's devastating. Um, not only, you know, obviously the loss of loss of his life, uh, which impacts the players, the relationships with him, his family and all that stuff. Uh, which is, you know, not it's which is just its own set of challenges, but it's disruptive for what you're trying to do. Uh, you're trying to, you know, coach and develop and stuff. So you have to have somebody else come in or somebody else move situations. And if it's if you bring in somebody from the outside, they don't know what you've been doing, uh, and they don't know the type of language you have or all that stuff. So that becomes an issue if you're moving somebody in there, like in a quality control coach or something like that, uh, and moving them. Uh, then it, you know, you may not be getting quite as good of a coach, but either way, it's just, it's a challenge, a disruption and just, you know, it just sucks on all levels. Obviously, uh, you know, one of those things that it doesn't matter if you're a rival or whatever, it just sucks. And, you know, you hope all the best for, for everybody who's impacted by this, but it's, you know, it's one of those things you, you just, you don't really have, you know, there's no plan to deal with that. You're not, you'd ever plan on, on somebody, you know, dying on a sports team. So whether it's a player, it's a coach, it it just changes things uh, dramatically. Uh, And, you know, honestly, you know, from the roster wise, like you understand that you're going to lose guys, guys are going to get injured. And like you said, though, there is, there is no plan for this. And, you know, you have a whole bunch of young wide receivers trying to work their tail off. And exactly, if it's an outside voice, um, you know, who knows if it's going to mesh with what they've been doing. Um, obviously, now he, if it is an outside voice, he's got to come in. He's got to learn on the fly, which is usually not the way you can go in this. Because it's not like, you know, making a trade where you can get somebody in. And most of the times, team make moves. You know, you bring in somebody that's familiar with your system or already has some relationship with somebody there in the building. Just a, a terrible day. And to the, you know, to the Drake family, obviously, you know, 
hearts go out, prayers and thoughts, all of that in the Pittsburgh Steelers family. It's it's just tough, and it just it, it it's crushing for a family. It's crushing for a football organization, and you know you're trying to get yourself ready to get yourself through another season, and you know all of a sudden now you know you're kind of just ripped to your core and trying to find yourself as you go on further. So very very difficult day for the Pittsburgh Steelers franchise. P, there was a move made today, and this one, I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to piece it all together. Um, Rico gathers, you know, for his time in Dallas, it was always, ooh, maybe this guy could be something. Uh, ooh, maybe this guy could be something. He's big, tall, athletic. He played basketball. All the cliches. It never really panned out. Um, and it's just another guy here, kind of with an injury history, which kind of seems to almost be the theme of that tight end room. I mean, David Njoku might as well literally just go sit on ice because he might not see the field till September. He's the only one that's been consistent as far as that. But Orson Charles goes, um, you know, does this mean maybe, you know, a blocking back or someone in the backfield blocking isn't so much key? Yes, I know there was a fullback brought in yesterday, but normally guys that are brought in in August 10th, guys, doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be too much there. But we have spoken a bunch on Orson Charles. Like, that's a guy, you know, we always, you know, whether it's, you know, whether you consider him the 49th, 50th, whatever, you need those guys. And those are the guys you kind of like to go to battle with. Uh, I, I expect this will not be popular within the locker room. Uh, I expect he has a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of clout in terms of people like him and, and like having him around and stuff. So it's not going to be popular from that standpoint. Um, this move definitely has multiple moving parts because Rico Gathers isn't blocking anyone. Um, so clearly if you're taking away Orson Charles, you have a plan elsewhere, whether that is someone along the lines of uh, Trayon Gray, uh, the fullback, uh, undrafted fullback out of uh, Miami who actually had a carry in the game uh, and actually looked pretty explosive doing that. Or if it's, you know, set the valve or somebody else in there, they clearly think they can get that aspect of the offense from somewhere else. Or like you said, it just may not be that important to them to have something along those lines. So that is an interesting dynamic. Uh, and, and certainly the fact that it's having on the 11th of August um, is interesting, but as much, you know, this is one of those things where it is a relatively replaceable part um, in terms of what an offense is asking you to do. There's only so many things a fullback is asked to do if you're, you know, using them as a fullback. If you're doing an H-back, it can be a little more uh, mobile stuff. But if they just want a true lead back, um, that could be pretty replaceable. And they've got, you know, several weeks to deal with it. Um, my initial reaction on this is I'm not sure this is the end of Orson Charles. In Cleveland, but you know, maybe maybe they are just sort of ready to move on and do something else. Obviously, I don't have a lot of hope for a Rico Gathers. Uh, you know, some of this is just getting bodies um, and taking an athletic guy who could theoretically become something, but he's sort of been in a in a lot of ways that uh, Demetrius Harris has been. Although Demetrius Harris is a good blocker. Um, Rico Gathers is the same thing without the blocking. So he's been sort of a guy that, you know, people have wanted to talk themselves into for a while. And for various reasons, it just hasn't worked. And I suppose, you know, it's a different way of thinking about it, but set the valve is a largely the same thing, although it's been injuries. So it may be that they really want 
to try to find a way to get another athletic H-type player uh, like that. They've got about three of them on the team right now, and I'm not, you know, the the other kid from Princeton. We'll see. I I don't think he's really done anything all that interesting in Steven Carlson. Seth Duvall uh, needs to be out on the field. So you get another guy like Rico Gathers. Clearly, uh, the Browns are trying to find some answer uh, for a third tight end, potentially a fourth tight end. Uh, obviously, it's it's Njoku and Harris. But after that, it's pretty wide open. So there's a lot to sort of be determined there. But y- y- the idea that you tra- the idea that you release a, a blocking back for a non-blocking tight end, ju- it just suggests there's there's more moving parts with this. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I thought you brought up a good point on Gray, and you know the one thing is he's athletic, so he could possibly bring more to the position than Orson Charles. Um, you know, got to be talked about this, and you, you saw it a lot of it in pregames last year and on the field before it was ready to go. Orson Charles was one of those guys, and you just you know, you, you don't want to hear him flapping his gums on Wednesday because it's annoying in practice. But uh, you know, the guy who's had seven cups of coffee and is ready to go, you know, you know, thirty-five minutes before kickoff. You need those guys, you know. You know that you know, the guys who kind of get everybody, you know, amped up. You know, those guys who were, you know, there's always just a couple of those on the roster. That you know, just constant, 100% energy. And I think that's what everybody kind of appreciated with Orson Charles. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it's almost like with the tight end position, Pete. They're setting up for like a three-on-three charity basketball tournament. Uh, you know, they're all about the same size, all about the same weight, all extremely athletic. That's all fantastic, but uh, you know, I'm not really sure where they're going with the tight end position as far as what it's going to become and what it's going to look like on opening day. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a forever revolving door. You know, Gathers could come in here and catch a couple balls. That's the one thing he can do, and it's when he's out on the field, it's kind of almost like he's, you know, like a red flag because he's really only got, you know, one assignment. And look, you know, it, so many guys have tried to make this basketball jump to be a good tight end in the NFL. Um, you know, blocking isn't the same thing as boxing out in basketball. It's extremely difficult to do, but, you know, it's going to be something to monitor, at least for the next two preseason games. Right. Uh, Yeah, that's, you know, there's always talk about who's been successful at it uh, in terms of the basketball transition, but it's been a little dry. The the success rate has gone down substantially uh, in terms of those type of guys. Obviously, Demetrius Harris falls into that group. Um, but you know, you're not seeing, you know, Antonio Gates was a fluke. It's not like, you know, you can plan on that. Uh, but you know, big bodies who can run around and be athletic and stuff like that, uh, are interesting. And, you know, in the, in the spot you're taking a Rico Gathers, it's, there's no risk to it. So it's not like you're going to, it's going to hurt if he doesn't work out. It's, you're basically taking a shot. And, and again, I don't know if there are people running out to sign Orson Charles. Uh, so, you know, he may still be available uh, potentially later down the, you know, later uh, down the road, but I, I, his locker room value is very good. His, the method to his math madness on his psychotic uh, behavior during games to try to keep uh, his teammates sort of up and going is interesting. In terms of his on-field product, though, I don't think he's, you know, been so been all that great. He's just sort of there, uh, but he, you know, he was just uh, he was there and he was reliable to be in there. But I don't think he was doing anything to like 
make the position all that much better. So it's not like, I think it's a little bit of a shock from the name standpoint, but I don't think it's a big shock from the level of play standpoint. Exactly. There is that with that whole scenario, and it just it just seems very, very strange. I don't know. You just you move on from a guy that you could truly, truly trust, at least knows what he's done. So um, Pete's going to tell you guys you know, how to step up the most important part of your game with the good folks of Blue Chew, and we got a bunch more coming here on Locked On Browns. Yeah, nothing seems to be uh, a bigger turn-on for guys than jumping into my mentions when they think I've gotten something wrong, even if I haven't. Uh, but for those who that doesn't work for, and I'm happy to help in that way for everybody, um, the, the good folks at Blue Chew are there to make sure that uh, you're getting that that same experience uh, <laughs> home with the with the spouse. Uh, blue Chew, like the the color blue, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, uh, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Uh, they'll take care of you in terms of making it easy to get a uh, prescription. Uh, they're discreet in delivery. Not that anyone should ever be ashamed about that part of the, uh, making making the spouse happy. But nevertheless, uh, they're looking out for you to make sure that you're you're getting it done where you need to get it done so that they can make you happy uh, as uh, as we get ready for this uh, Cleveland Brown season. So check out the uh, promo code and and, and do, it, do what you need to do to uh, – Ensure that you're always at your best and brightest. Uh, use the promo code LOCKDOWN. And obviously, Blue Chew, we always uh, appreciate the sponsorship of the podcast. And, you know, obviously another thing here, um, just one thing we yeah, I forgot to slip in on Rico Gallers. Um, he'll be serving a one-game suspension in the regular season for a possession of weed in 2018. So, maybe we're sticking to the status quo there. And with that, um, Pete, We'll roll on in because we haven't gotten to this for you guys yet. And when we had talked all last summer, guys, about the fact, you know, Josh Gordon required an insurance policy. Um, Corey Coleman at the time obviously required an insurance policy. Antonio Callaway at the time required an insurance policy. Um, Gordon gone. Corey Coleman obviously got moved on from. Um, Antonio Callaway. Now, Pete, we're talking about two guys currently serving suspensions. You know, obviously, as far as the NFL is concerned, Corey Coleman, uh, you know, obviously fought his way back and got into a good spot with the Giants. Sadly, you know, his insurance policy was injuries. So we essentially, as far as all three of those and what we said that they required insurance policies, they did. Um, the news dropped, Pete, and it had been obviously the whole summer to this point. One of the storylines of camp, you know, and there's a million good ones, was what in the hell is going on with Antonio Callaway? He can't get any reps with, let alone even the twos on a consistent basis. Then the ones, you know, did he show up out of shape? Did he not show up out of shape? What exactly was their definition of out of shape? And then the news drops Friday, and it wasn't, you know, the story got mumbled, but it was a new fail test, and now Antonio Callaway, who's had a two-plus year period of um, some bright, some little highs, and you, mostly a lot of lows, and now here it is, you know, September, Antonio Callaway is gone. So, uh, you want to talk about bad timing. Uh, building the Browns aired today, and almost the first thing they had was John Dorsey talking about how you need guys you can rely on uh, and trust in your locker room. Uh, and this is on the heels of uh, Antonio Callaway being... Uh, suspended and then Rico Gathers coming in with a suspension. Uh, look, listen, I, I, 
I got all my anger out on Antonio Calabrese's pick. None of this is surprising. Uh, unreliable player does unreliable thing in the same way he's been doing it his whole life. Uh, but it does really put a wrench in things. First, uh, the Browns, assuming they did in the first place, cannot trust him, cannot count on Antonio Callaway. Uh, so he's going to miss four games. That could have a bigger impact than those four games simply because, um, you know, they're going to get a comfort level with these other guys. And obviously, Richard Higgins benefits from this. Uh, but this is apparently why they've been messing around with Derek Willies with the ones. Uh, it seems like uh, the suspension is going to give Jalen Strong a roster spot for at least a month. Uh, as you know, Antonio Callaway won't count against the roster during that time. Um, but then the other part of this is there was a sense that like, you know, you had Odell Beckham, Antonio Callaway, at least theoretically could make himself that other boundary receiver, uh, for the long term with, you know, decisions to make on everybody else. You know, Landry's contract gets enormous. You're going to have Richard Higgins as a free agent again. Uh, and now you still have to make those decisions, but now you have to make those decisions with the with the idea that you're probably not going to give uh, Antonio Callaway a second contract, and it's unclear how long he will be here. Now, keep in mind, this is the same player that, after he was, uh, he failed the idiot test coming in from the combine. He got picked up for driving his car, but somebody else had borrowed it, had left weed in the car. They found it. Uh, he did not test positive at that point. And parts and the, of a gun in the car. <laughs> yeah, and the whole thing, the whole thing, the Browns were actually mad about was the fact that he didn't tell them. But at that time, it then was. Well, you're essentially on double secret probation. The next thing you do wrong, you know, that's it. Well, here we are. He's done something else wrong. And I'm not advocating to get rid of him, but that is why, you know, you're, you're careful with what you want to say. Um, but either in either scenario, you now have to plan on 2020 uh, with the idea that you have to get somebody else in case Antonio Callaway is unreliable. And that could mean that, uh, that, that, that the wide receiver priority and like the draft becomes higher uh, and you're going to have to, you know, formulate your plan around the idea that you may need to address what is now at least some small need. Now, even if you, let's say you get rid of Jarvis Landry and you reside Richard Higgins, you know, that's two guys and then Antonio Callaway is theoretically number three and Derek Willies and those other guys can prove themselves. But that's probably not the place you want to be. And, you know, most teams tend to draft a receiver almost every year anyway. Certainly Dorsey likes to do that. So there's going to be an element where he's probably going to go ahead and get somebody. But this sort of uh, makes it very clear why these type of things are frustrating because, you know, Antonio Callaway – was good enough to sort of get, you know, sucker people in to believing in him and counting on him. And then when he goes out, you're now missing something. Whereas if you just took a, a player that maybe didn't work, but didn't have these risks, there's no counting on him. And if they did work, 
then you get somebody else you can count on. I, you know, I'm not, again, I, I'm not a fan of trying to take shortcuts and trying to take these risks because this is ultimately what comes back and it becomes almost a bigger headache than, than getting them in the first place. So I, I don't, I, I'd love to say that John Dorsey is going to stop doing this shit, but there's no indication that he's going to. So you're going to have to sort of expect more of this stuff. And that's where you get like, you take shortcuts and it's almost like the, the result is following that up with more shortcuts to try to make up for the addition earlier shortcuts. So I would like to see, then make a fundamental change and basically say, we don't need to do this. Why do we keep doing this and just stop? But that has Dorsey, despite what he wants to say in public, and this is the other part is I don't know why he insists on lying to people. Just say you want to get talent and freaking we're going to do everything we can to win. uh, And we'll deal with these situations as they come up as opposed to, well, we're trying to get guys we can trust when Antonio Callaway's track record was awful coming out of college he failed the first thing he could as an NFL player uh, and has now had, you know, one incident that wasn't really an incident. And then this one, this second one that definitely is. So here you are. And now you have to sort of figure out things. And, and I don't think the Browns are going to miss Antonio Callaway all that much uh, for four games. I think they will be fine. Uh, it's sort of a bump in the road for them. It's obviously a disaster for him personally, but it, it does then create a hole for your your future planning. One thing, and you know, and you know, I equate this in obviously totally different circumstances. But as far as you know, it's somewhat to Christian Kirksey, who didn't really get to be a part of the party last year, so ended up kind of becoming a really, really forgotten guy. Um, is Antonio Callaway losing him for September? Is it really that essential? It's it, it's not because you do already have Odell. You do have Jarvis. You do have Rashard. Derek Willies is literally taking this opportunity and ran with it. Um, what what sucks is Antonio Callaway, at least he answered 50% of the questions because he was still a question mark what he could actually do for you on the field. Um, he grew with Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, and to do what he did last year as a you know a rookie drafted on day three, it's pretty impressive. Especially you, you figure in the fact that he hadn't played football in about eighteen to twenty months in any real capacity, so he did a lot to answer the on-field questions. Obviously, everything as a pro, the off-field questions, you know, from obviously you know the combine in early March, you know, there's one, the summer incident, there's two. Um, this passing is there's three. That's just three strikes just as being a pro before you even get into, you know, his background at the University of Florida. Do you cut him? No, you don't. You don't cut him because there's a possibility it could come back to haunt you. Some people trade him. <laughs> You're not getting anything back for Antonio Callaway right now. Everybody else, anybody else had a hundred some odd picks to jump in on the Antonio Callaway party. So they're not giving up anything of substantial value there. So you're not going to move them there. Um, it's one of these either get right or get gone, kid. Um, it certainly could be get gone, kid. Um, anybody rooting for an Ish Hyman, anybody rooting for uh, Damon Sheehy Giuseppe, TJ Montgomery, there's an opportunity there now where, and you still may not get the true opportunity to play wide receivers because you put Willies into the factor. You're already four deep there. But there's a chance you're going to get, you know, obviously a little bit of a summer fling that turns into a September dalliance. And you may get a chance to stick around. And if one guy's got a bum ankle or, you know, somebody's, you know, 
gets hurt early in the game and doesn't finish the game, you could get an Ish Hyman on the field. Uh, Giuseppe, maybe, maybe there's a door open now where he could get a return role. Obviously, you know, Dontrell Hilliard right now currently is your number two running back. So maybe you don't necessarily want him doing his full special teams duty. So if Giuseppe could do some of those things and lighten the load, and obviously we all know he's probably capable of it. Kid's fast as hell. I mean, he had, the one thing you did like about him and you found on him film-wise is he was a return guy. Hyman had a first start in the – yeah, had a nice start in the first uh, preseason game, obviously before receptions. So the, there's possibly a role there. And the thing with it with Callaway is – we had talked about this. This was a really, really deep wide receiver room where there's some, there were some feel-good stories that probably were only going to be part of the summer. Um, and we also talked about, you know, maybe there was – going to be some issues where you're going to have to move on from some of these wide receivers going forward and in 2020 now like he said this makes a whole different ball of wax so to speak as to where you are in the future of the wide receiver room in Cleveland um but this is you know when you gamble on guys and guys who require insurance policies you're going to you're going to end up having to use them, and you know, that's essentially it with the Antonio Callaway situation. And it's 100%. I don't think it makes a hill of beans as far as these first four, first four weeks of the regular season for the Browns. Um, you know, another one, uh, guys, if you're looking for a – if you play Daily Fantasy, uh, week four against uh, a preseason against Detroit, Kareem Hunt, Antonio Callaway, throw those guys in your lineup. Uh, they're probably going to get a crap ton of run because they're going to get a lot of time off afterwards. We can get to a little bit more here. Um, ways to help Pete, obviously. Browns Maven on Twitter. Make sure you're following over there. Uh, BrownsMaven.com. Go up, become, uh, set up, become a member. Get involved in the forums over there. Uh, you know, Pete's going to get back more to a regular schedule. So you know, each story as it comes, he's going to be able to give his opinion on that. Best thing about the forums is you're not going to have to worry about other fan bases jumping in there. It'll be just you know straight talk with just straight Browns fans. For me, uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Locked on. Browns. Um, written reviews, always fantastic. Drop those five stars ratings. Uh, always help. Best way to help uh, you know me and Pete out here as we're just doing everything we can to try and give you guys, you know, keep you up to date on the most current content, <clears throat> you know, from our slant and our side. Um, interesting now, yeah, but we're just getting a bunch of stories here, but I appreciate you guys, you know, being along for the ride in that aspect. Last one I do want to hit on here, Pete. Um, with, you know, I guess it was Jim Donovan the other day and, you know, Austin Corbett, it look, maybe looks like he's their future center. Well, you've got a center for this year. Pete, you gotta, if you've got a three-year plan for what was the number 33 overall pick, and we thought Corbett would be something, but a three-year plan for a guy you drafted at 33, that's not good. It's not good at all. No, uh, it's, it's you know, the, the, that draft um, is having a rough time right now. Uh, with Corbett struggling, Callaway now suspended, Chad Thomas at least showing a pulse, but still. Uh, and then, no, I mean, the thing is, I, I would, to me, I would sign, I would re, uh, extend Treader now. Uh, he's very, very good. Uh, I, I don't, you know, even if Corbett is okay, I, I don't know if I'd bank on it. Uh, I think right now he, he is in the mix as a essentially a rotational player that you hope can sort of take another step forward, but I wouldn't bank on it. I certainly wouldn't, you know, based on what I've seen to this point, plan on him being a starting center. I think that's insane because, again, we're back to a situation where we're potentially changing three starting linemen uh, between this year and next, uh, or four. I mean, I don't know 
you know, what the, the length of time on Cush is, I th- he's a very nice pass protector. I don't know how much uh, you really want to bank on it. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, at this point, what you're basically saying is Joel Batonio is your one lineman. And that's a very risky play. Uh, I don't think that I don't think that works out in the long term uh, at all. I think that's extremely risky. Uh, I, you know, unless they maybe they in that scenario like Greg Robinson to be a longer term guy. I, I just think that's, that's going to that is part that is interesting one. Yes, that that um, I still think that's cost prohibitive relative to what he's going to do. He looks like he's in for a better season, which, uh, you know, I, I'm banking on anyway, but I, it's just very risky. I, 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 my guess is, you know, if, if they don't talk contract with Treader, they're basically going to see how the season goes. If they like where Corbett is at, then they may go ahead and move on with, with Treader. If not, they may go ahead and talk contract at that point. Uh, but to me, I think the interior of the line is so important. And in particular, I think Treader's value to Mayfield is enough to warrant keeping him. Uh, but we shall see, uh, how that ultimately plays out. I, I, I think I'm hoping we'll get a little more clarity on this situation because right now you're, you're talking in terms of four offensive linemen potentially, uh, in flux. For next for 2020, and that's terrifying. Well, the thing with me is to say he's your future at the center position, where you know I, you originally drafted him. You know, thought maybe you could steal a year at tackle before you kicked him inside. That didn't work out. Um, he was essentially you know in name going to be the right guard here. You brought in some veterans just in case it didn't work out. It's looking like it's not going to work out. And Eric Cush, who kind of looks like a little bit of a WWE wrestler, um, looks like he's going to solidify this gig currently because at least you know he brings a solid pass pro, which is key for Baker Mayfield. And we've talked at nauseum about how important the interior offensive line is to Baker. Um, but then you say, well, okay, well, so he's going to be the future center. So now you're going to ask him to play the most demanding, intelligent position on the offensive line. And if he wasn't getting it done at guard... What makes you think he's going to get it done at center as far as the physicality of the position and the fact that, you know, if your center is getting whipped like a dog, your quarterback's running for his life or he's most likely you know, dead. It, it, it doesn't – if he can't win the right guard position in 2019, how in the world do you have any confidence saying that he's going to be your center long-term or in 2020? It, it's, it's like he's going backwards. It's not like he's going forwards here, Pete. And this is one of those things where I think, you know, the, the trying to be positive Browns media on uh, the sake of Browns specific productions does them no favors because it, it raises expectations on things that may or may not be realistic. Um, so if you're saying, well, Austin Corbett's your future center, well, what if he isn't? And then you basically played this up and he, and he can't do it. Um, I, I wish they w- would feel less... Uh, desire to sort of push these ideas, you know, if he, if he, if he can do it, great, but let's not put the cart before the horse. I feel like, you know, these last, this last year and a half, they've been doing that a lot. Um, Look no further than 
than Desmond Harrison. Uh, you know, he was going to be your left tackle of the future. Why, why do that? Not only is he not, he's basically going to be out of the league uh, in a, you know, basically six months later. So hell, he might be, he might be in prison for a long time. It was the way it's looking. So yeah, these, I, I, I don't think they help themselves with this type of stuff. I wish they wouldn't do it. Um, so in that respect, it's, it's very hard to sort of take anything they say seriously. And you basically say, well, let's see how it plays out as opposed to, well, okay. They think he's the, uh, center of the future. I don't know how you can come to that conclusion right now. I think that's aspirational at best at this point, and maybe it works out. Uh, if it does, great. But for the moment, you're basically looking at this as you have a very good center in J.C. Trader. You have a very good left guard in Joel Batonio. Greg Robinson looks better, but that was better than what he was last year, which wasn't good. Chris Hubbard, you know, I really hope he has a better year than he did last year because I thought last year he struggled. And then Eric Cush, I'm hoping he, he can do the job uh, there. But after that, like Kendall Lamb struggled in the preseason game. I thought Corbett struggled in the preseason game. I, I wish I, I could have seen more from Drew Forbes as a rookie. You know, my guy, Finian Ganafo looked okay. Um, he looked Drew, like a nice, he, Drew a nice PFF grade. He at least looks the part. Uh, but all of a sudden, this is a position where you would like it to be a strength, and, and right now it's just a very big question mark. And so it, it putting unrealistic expectations, or at least putting the cart before the horse on some of these things, I, I don't think helps them. And now keep in mind, you're going to go have two practices this week. And, you know, it's going to be the Indianapolis Colts, which bring in an interesting front. And, you know, maybe we'll, we're going to learn, you know, for week two, you don't normally learn a lot in the preseason. Um, the reports coming out of those practices should be interesting as far as it goes in that respect. And, look, you can kind of just say, oh, well, you know, we signed this guy, we signed this guy, we signed this guy. And, you know, but if you add a whole bunch of players, Pete, who were, you know, C-minus to C players, guess what? It's only a C. Just because you signed a bunch of guys doesn't mean any of them were really worth a hill of beans. Right, uh, and that's that's the thing is is if you, you know, they, they brought in a whole bunch of fifth, sixth, seventh offensive linemen, these guys are not not going to now going to become fours. It doesn't work that way. Well, I mean, there's a chance, but it's it's you don't you can't count on it. You can't say this is the plan, and that's where you get yourself in trouble. That's where you find a shortfall. And look, this was again, this is part of this whole thing where you trade Kevin Zeitler to get Olivier Vernon, you trade Jabril Peppers to get. Uh, Odell Beckham, you trade Duke Johnson to get a, a, a fourth, hopefully third-round pick. This this does not say that those moves are bad. I think Olivier Vernon and Odell Beckham are very good. But that does put pressure on the positions they leave behind. And obviously, Kevin Zeitler was a very, very good right guard. And right now, the Browns are hoping to get an average right guard. Uh, the Browns... Jabril Peppers is, is probably going to be very, very good for the Giants. And meanwhile, the Browns are hoping their safety, strong safety position sort of hangs in there. Uh, and certainly the, the flip side is you have arguably the best receiver in football. You have one of the best pass rushes in football. Uh, and you have another draft asset. But this is sort of you've strengthened these other units to hopefully give you a, a dominant edge. And you're hoping these other spots – can can make can make do in the meantime. 
it, it, you know, exactly. I mean, you're always going to essentially, you know, whenever you're making moves of this nature, you're going to cut off your nose to despite your face. And they've certainly done that in this respect. Um, the wide receiver unit, look, even with Callaway's suspension, this is still crazy deep. And look, Callaway, probably the way this was trending at best, was going to be your fourth receiver. Um, you know, and everybody who's loving on Richard Higgins, uh, go back to the post-game show last year after the Raven game and check that out. And there were a couple of schmucks on there talking about how essential he was and his injury was going to be crucial because two guys oh. were on that a long time ago. We keep, you know, and I know... The Nobody Browns, ever remembers the wins, Pete. That's the worst well, part. <laughs> no, but the thing is, I know the Browns on some level are probably going to be resistant on this front, but it's, it's really hard to to make the case that the Browns are not better off with uh, Odell Beckham and, and, and Richard Higgins as their starting two receivers and Landry becomes that third guy. Uh, I am very well, and fascinated. The other thing, though, is maybe even with the news today, Jarvis Landry, it might not be that, you know, it's just a slot wide receiver. I mean, because you could have three wide receivers on the field. I mean, if you're looking, there really isn't a fullback. You're really not sure what the tight end brings you after Najoku and obviously Harris for, you know, blocking situations. Three wide receivers could be 75% the norm. Right, and it probably will be. Um, and that, you know, that sort of makes it, uh, less of an issue, but it's more along along the li- long lines of when you get into goal line stuff uh, or short yardage. Who, who Where maybe goes. you would put an extra lineman on the field. Oh, guess what? We're not sure about that. Right, and, and, and in some respects, that makes Landry more viable in that he can do things like play that wing and block, but then he's not really a receiver so much, and that that's one of those things to be sorted out. But right now... I am unconvinced that it's not going to be Odell Beckham and then Richard Higgins is the second best receiver on this team in terms of production in addition to just, you know, efficiency and, and you know, straight up being better at it. So that, that becomes fascinating to watch. But uh, Richard Higgins uh, absolutely crushing it in terms of where he is as a player. And, and if he's not careful, he's going to make himself uh, too valuable for the Browns to let go after this season. So that that becomes another thing to sort of monitor. Uh, obviously, uh, yeah, and, and look, Higgins is uh, yeah, a guy I love, and just it ain't the red carpet. It's just, and we continue to talk about the relationship. Baker sees the cut, you know, a step before Rashard makes it. Rashard, in a key situation, knows what Baker's thinking. It's 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 weird because it's it's almost like a thing where these guys you figure they would have played in college together, or they've been around each other that long. But I mean, for relationships that. The relationship like that to come along in essentially 15 months, it, it, it's it's weird. Um, it's obviously weird good to have that. And, you know, Richard, obviously, always a huge fan uh, of the show here, and obviously Pete and I. And the other thing is you love a guy who's, you know, done everything he can. I mean, he was to the point where this franchise actually cut him, literally cut him. And now he, yep. And now he is one of the most valuable assets in that locker room. Uh, and it's it's you know, and you always like the feel good stories. And Richard is definitely one of those, especially where now you're going to talk about him, you know, being a significant significant piece. And uh, hopefully he isn't viewed as an old regime guy because that would just be terrible. Um, we got to a ton here today, guys. Uh, we'll you know we'll hit it back again later tonight as we start to get into another game week. Looking forward to these joint practices. Um, definitely want to see the way. 
the secondary defensive linemen who maybe get a lot of reps against Indianapolis and <laughs> they got some nasty SOBs on an offensive line may start to hopefully tell us about who's shaking up and, you know, who's standing out as far as, you know, how we're going to fill out D tackles three, four, and five. So we're going to get to all that stuff later tonight. Uh, glad you all could be along for today. Uh, Make sure you're following Pete at Pete Smith, uh, at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Uh, obviously, make sure you're following Browns Maven. Go ahead over, over at brownsmaven.com. Make sure you sit up, become a member over there. Uh, as far as the podcast, at Locked On Browns, make sure you're following over there. DMs are always open. Any questions, stuff you want to put into the show, you guys know I always appreciate the feedback. If so many of you are going to be around for every episode, at least we could do is try to help you guys out and answer some of the questions or get to some of the chatter that you guys want. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, throw a follow over there as well. DMs are open over there. Bring what you got. You know, hey, you know, I'll try to work it all in. Sometimes there's just too much, um, and along with what we have to do and where they're trying to get us now to keep these shows a little bit shorter, which maybe will add to some more shows here. I, you know, I know a lot of people have asked about draft stuff. We'll get. We're gonna find a way to do something there as far as you know, games to watch on the weekends. You know, NCAA wise, players matchups specifically. Uh, look, and Pete and I never get tired of talking about draft so we'll find a way to sneak those in there as you know we get into the regular season obviously the college season so you know that those requests for that yes no doubt about it we're certainly something we're looking forward to as well uh again just you know appreciate you all for being along for the ride you bend your daily delivery of all things dog pound lgb on the lob let's go browns